0: so many things going on in this brain right now that I'm going to try to pull together. Uh, one of them is, as many of you know, that uh, I am going on a sabbatical. And you say, what is that? It's a privilege that uh, I have an opportunity to go and hide away. To hide away and meet just with Jesus and gain some uh, refreshing, uh, some strength from him. As you know, I have this thing in my pocket. And uh, many of you have a connection to this. And I have a weakness. So I really need your support and help in this. I know it's easy to click and uh, send me a text, uh, Give me a call. Send me an email. Can you do something for me? I love you guys dearly, and this is really hard. So I need your help in this. So if you cannot send me things, I really would appreciate it because <laughs> it is difficult. Okay. Um, so if you do send something, I might ignore. <laughs> well, see that's why you can't do it. Okay. <laughs> I love you guys so much, and I, I, this is a very difficult thing for me to do. I know it seems crazy, and I shouldn't be emotional about it, but it is difficult. I love you guys, and I want to be part of your life. And I'm going to step away and just, you know, Linda and I are going to try to get some time away and just, just to regain some strength from the Lord and to refilled and encouraged from Him. So thank you for allowing me to do this. Uh, it is a privilege, I know it is, and I so appreciate this church family and all that you mean to me and what God wants to do in and through MRAC, which leads me to another statement <laughs> to move over to. Many of you have come from other churches. You've come into the community. Uh, you're here, and my prayer is that God want that your prayer is that God wants to work in you and through you here at MRAC. At the same time, you have come in and you're saying, okay, God, what do you want to do in my life as I come here? And what do you want to work in and through me in this church? There's others that are heading out into other churches. They're going into other communities. They're leaving this community. And one of those is part of our staff, our staff, I can't even say the word, uh, and we love them dearly, and uh, they are seeking the, the Lord and moving into another direction uh, and so they're going to be hanging around for a month or two, and then they're going to be heading out. And so we, we love them, and we want their, their blessings. I want you to pray for them, and you're wondering who it is, and I'm just enjoying this moment. Uh, <laughs> it's Doug and Steffi. And uh, Doug's the drummer, Steffi's in our office, and we, we love them, and we, they are seeking the Lord as they move and where God would take and work in and through them in another church, in another community, and so pray with them, give them hugs. I know Doug and Steffi would just love your hugs. Every time you see them, just hug them. Say we love you, okay? Have that fun with them. We appreciate them so much, but in, no matter which way we are, in these journeys, and the reason I bring that up It's part of the message, is that no matter where we go, we're in this place of, do we trust Jesus when God speaks to us? Is he one that we can trust? Yes. And sometimes we struggle with it, though. He's faithful, but do we trust him? That he will follow through in these things. And that is where we come in this... uh, Letter in Romans, chapter 11, 9, 10, and 11, Paul brings up this issue with Israel, with the Jewish nation, and what is going on? What's happening with them? Is, is God rejecting them? So, if you're going to fall asleep in this time, let me just really bring it really short. God has not rejected Israel, God actually used Israel, used the Gentiles to bring salvation to both. There it is in a nutshell. Okay, but let's expand on it and learn a little bit more as we come into his word. Uh, Romans chapter 11, Heavenly Father, we come into your word, and Lord, we pray that you would speak. Lord, again, I ask, bring clarity to this mind that the the words that come forth, we want to hear from you, we want to hear you, we want to meet with you, and so Lord, we thank you that you've been here, you've been speaking, and we just ask you continue to guide us, As we look around your word, in Jesus' name, amen. So, Romans chapter 11, and uh, thank you for those joining us uh, live, uh, and thank you for the, you know, we have this camera crew, they're so amazing. Can we just give them a hand? Thank you, everybody. Uh, Appreciate you staying for a a second round. Uh, But let's look to God's word. In Romans chapter 11, he says, I ask then, has God rejected his people? Interesting question. Because if you're going back to chapter 10, Pastor Tom brought this up to us in chapter 10, verse 21, and basically paraphrased, it said, God's been reaching out to Israel again and again, and they just keep ignoring him and rejecting him. And he's like these selfish people that don't want to do what God calls them to do. They don't trust God. And so he says, did they reject? So has God rejected them? Because in 10.21 it says, they rejected God. This is the question. By no means, for I myself am Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. So he says, has God rejected? He just finished saying, they refused to follow God the nation, but yet he says, Paul's like, I haven't. So God hasn't rejected the Israelites, the Jewish nation. God has not rejected his people, whom he foreknew. Think of it this way when he says foreknew. This marriage relationship that he has, this covenant relationship with the Jewish people that he called by name, chose Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to work through them, and we'll get on that. He says, no, I love them. Do you not know what the scripture says? And he gives us a picture of Elijah. this is when you know you need a sabbatical. Elijah is hiding under a broom tree. Uh, He he is uh, a little bit stressed and tired. And he goes, and he appeals to God against Israel. Lord, they have killed your prophets. They've demolished your altars. And I alone am left. And they seek my life. So Elijah's like, that's it. Israel is done for. And what does he say? God replies, I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed their knee to Baal, that they're still following me. So it is. Just as in Elijah's time, so too in the present time, as Paul writes this letter, there is a remnant, a small amount, not all entirety, uh, a remnant chosen by grace, and this idea of grace, we will expand on what that means, chosen by grace, because we get caught up in this, and Pastor Tom brought it up, and, uh, you know, the Arminianism and Calvinism, I just, I want to get excited, uh, just don't go there and follow the Word of God, and we'll be okay, okay? But if it is by grace, it's no longer by the basis of works, Okay, and we'll expand on that. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. I love that when Paul writes. He just, yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, it would be grace. If it's no longer by grace, then what? Uh, Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it by it, but the rest were hardened. So we're going to see a, a pattern going on here with the, the Jewish nation. So we got it, and just so I... Keep us on page here of in chapter 10, verse 21, what happened? They wanted nothing to do with God. Okay, they resisted God, and now it's saying they were hardened. And sometimes say, Well, God hardened their heart, and it will go on to continue in that, that thought. So I asked, did they stumble in order that they might fall? And here again, Paul loves these questions and answers. By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles, so to make Israel jealous. Isn't that interesting? This way, he's saying, Who's, Who owns salvation? Is it the Jews, it's Gentiles? Here's the battle. Uh, so, what did God do? He says, Well, I used them both, that Israel come back to faith. Uh, Now, is it their trespass that means riches for the world? And if the failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? He's bringing these two together. He's explaining what is taking place through God's sovereign grace, and we'll talk about this. Now, I'm speaking to you Gentiles in as much then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I love this. I magnify my ministry. I want everybody to know what God is doing in the Gentiles through Jesus Christ in order that somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous. That's a whole sermon in itself. Uh, uh, And thus save some of them. Amazing. So now that we rattled off on the argument of it's God's grace. This is what God did. It's it's working through the Jews, through the Gentiles to bring salvation to the Jews. Now He gives another picture, okay? The picture of the tree. We all understand what a tree looks like, right? We're good. I don't need to explain a tree. We've got the tree. Okay? This is an olive tree. And there's branches on this tree. Now, some of the branches were broken off. And and you, although you were a wild olive shoot, who's the wild olive shoot? Gentiles, thank you, you're with me, and we're grafted in among the others, and now you share in the nourishing root, the root is Jesus. Yes, when in question, when in doubt, say Jesus. Uh, The nourishing root is Jesus of the olive tree. Do not be arrogant toward the branches. So the Gentiles get grafted into the tree. Jesus is the root. And they're saying, ha ha, look at us, right? He says, don't get arrogant. If you remember, it's not you who supports the root, but the root that supports you. See what Paul is doing? We have this Jew and Gentile argument all the way through the chapter, these chapters of Rome, the book of Romans, and he is again balancing them out. Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the salvation. It's not the Jews, it's not the Gentiles. It's Jesus. Now, another significant twist, then you will say the branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. <laughs> right? That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. So we have they rejected God, they were hardened, now it's unbelief. This, we're getting the picture of where the nation of Israel is when it comes to who Jesus is. They did. They rejected the Messiah. So he says, "Yeah, they're unbelief, but you stand fast through faith, so that you do not become proud." The Jews were becoming proud of, "We are the chosen one. The message of salvation comes through us. It's through Abraham, and so he's bring that, but actually use fear. Remember who God is." And he goes back to the wrath of God is upon the ungodly in chapter 1. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither would he spare you. And even if they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, this is amazing, if they don't continue in unbelief, they will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in. So stop making your own judgment and leave it in God's hands. Is what he's saying? Neil, paraphrase. For if we were cut from what was by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into the cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into the own olive tree? (laughs) Yeah, you're catching this, right? Uh, Wow. The biggest thing is when we look at this passage, is we don't want to underestimate the power of God. Paul is writing through from chapter 1. He's in chapter 11. Israel has a part of this. And if you, depending on where you hold on to end times, some of us would say the Jewish nation is done with. It is by faith in Jesus. Paul is saying God's not done with the Jewish nation. God can do whatever he can do. He is almighty God, and we should not forget it. He has the power to do that. Israel rejected God. God used Israel to open the doors to the Gentiles. So in Deuteronomy chapter 7, let's get a picture of God's love for the Jewish nation. This is Moses talking to the nation. The Lord your God has chosen you, has chosen you to be a people of his own possession. Out of all the people who are on the face of the earth, God says, I have chosen you the nation of Israel. What that he was going to do for the nation of Israel? God had this predestined plan of salvation to come through the nation of Israel. That through God, through the nation of Israel, he would bring the covenant and the promises. He would be, they would be a unique nation governed by God. God says, I am going to display my glory through Israel. I am going to bring the holy word through the nation of Israel. I am going to bring the Messiah through the nation of Israel. That's God's predestined plan. He was going to do it. Even through a nation that rejected him, and walked away from him again and again. God says, it's me who brings salvation. Don't underestimate the power of God. When God says, I am going to bring a Savior into the world, and I'm going to do it through the nation of Israel, he did it. He did it because he is all-powerful. See, God has a way of doing things that we don't understand. We try to understand them. Israel rejected the Messiah. God even used that. I wrote down here uh, what C.S. Lewis said, because if we understand God's chosen us, It's those people that say, Lord, your will be done. And often, when you say, I'm doing my own will, he says, your will be done. Yeah. We get that from chapter 1 of Romans, that he gave them over to the desires of their heart. That's what you want. But it doesn't stop God from working. God worked despite of the Jewish nation to bring the Savior of the world. Don't underestimate the power of God. When you look at the Jewish nation and you read through the Old Testament and you read the scenarios of where they were up and down, up and down, up and down, but God loved them and says, I'm going to bring salvation, the Messiah, through this chosen nation, and he did. God has the power to do that. He doesn't fail. And we try to understand God. And what does God say? Paul writes this in Romans chapter 11. You want to try to figure out God. He says, oh, the depths of his riches of wisdom and knowledge. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments. You're not going to understand. His paths are beyond tracing out. We love to try to figure out God. And we want to put him in a box that we can understand. Yes, it's... Beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Anybody here? <laughs> <laughs> love it. Uh, Caleb, I just love you. Uh, we, we can't. Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? Now listen, this is, this is what God says. For from him, through him, and for him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. That is the God we serve, and we should not try to put him in a box. We don't, we always seem to underestimate, un, underestimate what God can do. He is all powerful, God does not fail. See, this is the question that Paul was writing out that God does not fail even though it was looking like he failed. Because no, he didn't fail. God used both the Jews and the Gentiles to allow salvation for each other. Let me repeat that. God used both the Jews and the Gentiles to allow salvation for each other. The Jews had the promise, they broke it. But that allowed access for God to provide salvation for the Gentiles. And once the Gentiles had access to salvation, it allowed the Jews to realize, oops, and respond to this newfound salvation. So when we're reading it in the book of Romans, and the people that were reading it, the, the, the church in, in Rome, it sounds a little bit messy. It sounds a little bit Uh, messy. But God takes the messy, and he does the miraculous. That's what God does. You know, when he, we, Pastor Tom, I think it was last week, said about, he works all things together for good. All things. Yeah, this is one of them. This is one of them, where Israel says, I don't want anything to do with, you, do with this, this Messiah. And God says, well, there's still a remnant that follow Jesus. There's still a remnant that said yes to Jesus. And it's going to get even better as the days go, that one day that we won't understand. Does it say all of the Jewish nation will repent and give their life to Jesus? In this passage, it does have the word all. And uh, theologians walk through that and battle through that. And they say, it's not if we translate it, it's not every Jew will give their life to Christ. That is not what Paul is saying. Because he's talking about this remnant. The Jewish nation, God loves and cares. And he's going to rise that up and they are going to come. That is in this text. But understand, God is faithful. Don't underestimate the power of God and what he wants to do in our lives. He is very powerful. Genesis chapter 2, we have the sin, and God says through the woman's seed, a Savior is going to be born. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, We have God calling Abraham and saying, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make you a blessing, and that blessing is going to be for the whole world. Whoa. He says the world, not just the Jewish nation. And then it comes to Luke chapter 2, verse 10, and it says that there's these angels saying, glory to God in the highest. And peace on earth, goodwill for men, salvation to the whole world, right there in Luke. It's for everyone. So when we get caught up in this chosen and election and predestination, please, people, look to God's word and look at God's plan. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, uh, he says, Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. It says in John 3:16 for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that who who whoever would believe would be saved would have eternal life. We have a choice. And God says, I have chosen you. I have chosen you. I could have said, forget it. He could have said, nope, the wrath of God is upon the ungodly, and we deserve death. Let me just one side note to acknowledge, to get it even a little heavier today, is if you want to say hell is not real, why did God go through such extent? to bring salvation. Let me state that hell is real and God loves you so much that he sent his son. So we don't want to mess around with God and say, yeah, I'm just going to sit on the fence. Yeah, I sort of believe. God loves you so much he went to the cross and suffered a cruel death. And we remember that around the communion table today, what he did for us. That God does love us. He does care about us. But will we trust him? Will we trust him for what he's done? He has been faithful. He kept his promise. He did not fail. He is trustworthy. And he loves us so much. It even says in 2 Timothy 2:13 if we are faithless he remains faithful he cannot disown himself that's who God is will you depend on him so here's something as we come to the table and here's another promise if we confess our sins he might forgive your sins No, he doesn't say that, does he? Just checking. Thank you, Shirley, for correcting me. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's the power of God. That's the promise we hold to. And not just that we are forgiven because we come to the Lord's table and we acknowledge that he went to the cross to pay for my sin, the punishment I deserved. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. You should memorize this. I know Kaylee has. Uh, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. That he is going to transform your life. That is what God does. He transforms our lives. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, the one who calls you is faithful. He will do it. But again, not the unbelief. Get this. The belief. Get it those who receive this grace by faith. It is by faith we come to Jesus. By faith we even come to this table and accept his gift that he died for you and for me. God chose you. He chose to love each and every one. He chose to love me. I still fathom that every day. You know, that why would he do that? But he loves me. He loves you. He went to the cross for each one of us. God chose to love you. Isn't that pretty amazing? It's pretty amazing as I look around at some of you. God loves each and every one of you. <laughs> I'm like, wow. It's pretty exciting. And we're in it together. This is what this is, God says. I chose to love you. And you do not have ownership of my salvation. I have given it to you. It's not Jews or Gentiles that have ownership of salvation. Jesus is the giver of salvation. And he calls us to come. He says, I keep my promises. And God is patient. With us. As he's patient with Israel, he's patient with you. But don't test him on these things. In 2 Peter 3 8 to 10, do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is a thousand years, a thousand years is like a day. The point is, he's God. The Lord is not slow to fulfilling a promise, as some count slowness. He is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance. God wants us to come. Hell is real. Jesus is the only way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He has provided the way. And we do this once a month that we may never forget It's not by your good works, not by you coming to church. Those are the the outcome of a transformed life. We come because of Jesus Christ. We have this message to carry to others, as Pastor Tom clearly said last week. We need to go. We need to speak. We need to tell people of this great message of hope that we have I'm going to stop there and invite the servers to come forward. We want to come around the Lord's table. And we want to take time just to to thank God for this great salvation that he's brought. And sometimes we forget, we take for granted what God has really done. And so this is a moment... This isn't the table of MRAC. This is Jesus inviting us to his table. And we come by faith. It's the equalizer. It's not nobody owns this. It's Jesus's. And he invites you to come and say, thank you for being my savior. And so we're going to take some time, listen to some scripture. Uh, Just be quiet before the Lord and just... For you to say thank you. And then I'm going to pray and the the servers are going to pass out the cup. We're doing something a little different today. haven't done this for two years. You still get the little funny wafer. Uh, But it's for you to spend time with Jesus. And if you want to do it as a couple, as a family, that's up to you. And just while they're singing, leading us in song, we're going to have time with the Lord and you're going to partake on your own. But this is a time between you and Jesus to give thanks to him. And if there is sin that God brings to your presence, you you repent of that. If you've been playing the game, stop. Turn to Jesus. Turn away from the unbelief and come. He invites you. He says, confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart. That Jesus was raised from the dead. This is for you. If you've never given your life to Jesus, it's okay to pass this by. But the invitation's there for you. Because God loves you. He went to a long, hard road, the deepest, hardest road you could imagine, to get to the cross, to die for you. And not stop there, but to give us life, a new heart. So let's take a moment and be quiet, uh, just in his presence, and there's some elders that will come and read scripture, and uh, not just elders, Esther, uh, that will come and just, just let the word of God flow over you, and uh, let's spend this time with the Lord.